Hello Storygoers and welcome back to another episode of Tales from the Cartridge, the video game storytelling podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Eric Penrod. And I'm Ryan Brothers, your co-host. I said that backwards, Eric. That felt wrong. <laughs> do you need to redo it? Is yeah, it okay? let, me, let me do another take. <laughs> okay, uh, and I will be your co-host, Ryan Bauer. Yeah, that felt more normal. That felt better. Okay. <laughs> cool. Good. <laughs> No, I'm all out of whack. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a it's a beautiful Sunday morning. Well, actually, that's not true. It's pretty dark and gloomy out, but it's a beautiful fall day. It is. I think is what I was trying to say. Day. It is a beautiful fall day. Loving. It just it went from summer to just boom in your face fall. Ryan, how are you? And what have you been up to? What have you been playing? Uh, I'm doing well. I am. I'm just finishing up my second vacation week. So tomorrow Ooh. I go back to work to what will hopefully not be you know a complete disaster i'm sure it'll be fine (laughs) it's just burning down to the ground (laughs) it'll it'll be fine uh it it, i mean we'll see we'll see what what, um, i'm sure it's fine so that that is it's been a really wonderful vacation i feel relaxed i feel recharged i was like we got back late last night no not even late last night we got back at like four it felt late we got back at like 4 p.m yesterday Mm. And I woke up this morning and was like, hey, I'm going to start cleaning the house. I feel great. I'm not, like, bogged down from a week of, of exhaustion. Um, so uh, <laughs> that was very nice. As far as I've been playing, um, we took the Switch with us on, on vacation. I was nice. So one week I was here in Maine. The other week I was back um, to where we're from in upstate New York. Mm-hmm. And we took the Switch with us um, because we started Oberdin. And we wanted to have that, you know, in the, in the down moments between seeing all the relatives. We've worked that with us. We've been playing through that. That's been really fun. Um, she's seen all the scenes. So now she has to go through and piece all the pieces together, which is really ah. fun. Uh, she has to figure out who is who and make some guesses. And, and, and one of the incredible things about Oberdin is it only tells you if you guess it right if you get three of them right. Which is, like, such a genius mechanic because then, like, you can't brute force it, right? You can't just, like, guess one person unless you have two other people that you know for sure are correct. Um, so she's slowly starting to, to make her that, and that's that's been really fun. And then I down I for the for the road trip I I found this I there's this game that I used to play a ton as a kid called like Tentacle War. It's a game where you like drag these tentacles to these different planets, and like your number goes up oh. and it goes against their number. And once you take over their planet, then you can make more. It's it's effectively like a a, a pocket real time strategy game. And there's this game that I got called Ifloria um that i was just playing on my phone when we were driving it's very similar you have like seedlings and you send them to a planet and your numbers are going up and to get more resources and you send them to planets and once you take over that planet they can now make more of these things so you can like it snowballs and it's really satisfying so i've been playing that i beat it i stayed up to like midnight last night just on my phone playing that (laughs) which (laughs) is not i haven't stayed up that late in a long time and then <laughs> we've been playing a bit of Destiny since we got home. It was really nice to take. I haven't, I haven't played it for a couple of weeks because I was all in Deathloop on vacation. Mm-hmm. It's nice to take. That is a game that I think you need to take a couple of weeks off from and then go back to. And it's just really fun to be back and, and trying out some new builds and playing some new things. But yeah, that's that's how I've been doing all the things I've been playing. Nice. Yeah, it sounds like, I'm glad you had a good vacation. It's like, yeah, it's a boring. It's like seven to eight hour drive that drive. <laughs> it sure is. The Master yeah. Turnpike is unforgiving and, un- and uninteresting. <laughs> it sure is. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was, it was a whole time, but it's okay. We survived. Uh, but Eric, good. how are you? And what have you been playing? I'm good. You asked me how my week was. We didn't talk to me while you were gone. I was yeah. like, I don't even. I think it just worked. I don't really know what I did. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> working on that that No More Heroes episode that took a little longer to get out than I anticipated. So, yeah. but yeah, same old, same old, nothing crazy. As for I've been playing, I'm still on that. I'm still stuck in my loop in Death Loop. I beat it, but there's multiple endings. So I'm trying to go back. And actually, before we started getting on, before we started recording this episode, I was just busting through my loop, my current loop, just Mastered like it. using that slab, the havoc slab, and going crazy on people. <laughs> and uh, as I never, that's a slab. I, I, I when I play arcane games, games made by arcane, arcane the studio, the developer, like Dis, you know, Dishonored, Prey, whatever. Uh, I'm always sneaky stealthy you know I, I love they do such a good job at, at making you feel just like this awesome like stealthy powerhouse that you can just kill and just keep going and you're just like this you make no noise you're perfect um and that's how i play death loop for the majority of the game uh but the great thing about death loop is that it just it rewards you for just doing whatever you want so you get that satisfaction in all the play styles you you can probably ask for so as much as i don't like to go in guns blazing i'm pushing myself to try it this time and it's actually a lot of fun so yeah. Um, good. Arcane's so good. They just do no wrong. They make such <laughs> yeah. good games. Um, and of course, uh, like I said last time we talked, uh, I've been playing Unraveled 2 with my partner, and this has been a blast. Like, it's so much fun. And it's so great because, like, my, she doesn't, like, play games that often. So, but, so like, when we play the games, I'll know the, the typical, like, game tropes. Like, oh, we yeah. gotta do this, this, this. But when yeah. I can't figure one out, she typically finds it out because, like, she, like, can think outside the box in which I'm, like, stuck in. You know, yeah, I place inside that cool. gamer mind, and then, like, which sounds lame, but it's, it's really cool because we're just very different on the spectrum of gamer, you know. So, but yeah, Unravel 2 is a fantastic game to play with a friend, with a romantic partner, with anyone that you find dear, close to you, that you get along with well, I think would be a lot of fun with Unraveled. So I'm very much looking forward to, to beating it. We're getting close to beating it, I think. So um, very fun game. Very interesting. And I don't know about you, Ryan. This week's going to yeah. be pretty cool for gamers. I, actually, we didn't <laughs> talk about this uh, until just now I'm realizing, but this week's going to be a really cool game uh, week for gamers. Just a PSA on Tuesday is the final Smash Brothers reveal. Yeah, that's right. Uh, if you're on the East Coast like us, it's at 10 a.m., which is dumb. <laughs> if you're on the West Coast, it's at 7 a.m., which is even worse. <laughs> no. I would actually want to be at 7 because I'm getting ready for work at that time. So I actually have to just ignore all social media on Tuesday until I get home and then pray that someone on YouTube hasn't just absolutely ruined it in their thumbnail because people love views and I hate them all. So <laughs> and they ruin yeah. every YouTuber ruins everything good in the world, I swear, in the hopes that you click on their video. Uh, it's unfortunate evil. But uh, and then, oh, actually, and then on the, that's the, oh, geez, hold on. We'll probably have this awkward part out. I'm looking at calendar the calendar. Track. calendar that's on the track. Fifth <laughs> calendar alert. That's on the fifth. On the sixth is Alan Wake remastered. Which, if you haven't That's played right. Alan Wake, it's fantastic. I almost thought about talking about this episode, but I can't. I played it forever ago, and then I don't remember the whole story. I don't want to get ruined because I want to play it on the sixth. So I yeah. And then on the eighth is Metroid Dread. What? Yeah, very exciting. Oh my god, so good! I can't wait. I, mm, I can't wait. It's gonna be so good. So big week for gaming. Yeah, and he's very excited a lot of about, cool, exciting so. things. Yeah, the fall is always a big video game time. Mm-hmm. The fall's great. It's it cold out. Well, if you're in the good parts of the country, <laughs> and then right. uh, you get to just cozy up and play games. You know, we get we get snow out winter sometimes. West Coast doesn't. Sorry, West Coast. Suck it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. If you if you like us, all, please, our, all our new Texas downloads are gone. <laughs> Texas has its own thing going on. I don't that's think it's really true. worried. About that right <laughs> that's now. true. That's true. Uh, I think I think they're doing their own thing. Um, 
<laughs> but no, actually, we do have some downloads in Texas recently. Thank you. Yeah. Anyone in Texas or anyone anywhere that's been listening to us, we really appreciate it. And I've been rambling. But to bring it back to a concise and interesting place, we want to say thank you so much. Hopefully, you enjoyed our first part one episode of No More Heroes. We will release part two very soon. It's almost done editing. We just got to add that, those sweet, sweet sound effects that were surprisingly hard to find for this episode. Um, not as many as I wanted to use in part one, but you never know. Maybe we can go back and find some more later. Uh, we hope you're doing well. We hope you enjoyed the episode. I want to say, as our usual, we would love to hear your thoughts, feelings, and perspectives by sending them to us at talesfromthecartridge at gmail.com. All of the E's are threes. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram. DM us or comment on our posts. Let us know what you think, and we will happily read them on the show. And we will also send you a super cool sticker, a Tales from the Cartridge sticker. You can put it on your water bottle. You can put it on your laptop. You can put it on your local Starbucks. You can put it on, I'll just say a pet, but please don't do that. Your pets don't deserve that kind of abuse. So yeah, Ryan has it on his water bottle. I have it on my water bottle. Multiple, yeah, it's great. They just look so good. So you, you deserve it. If you like listening to these episodes at all, you deserve a sticker. We would love to give you a sticker. Um, and don't worry if you have your address. I promise you I can barely mail out my own mail. So just, <laughs> I don't expect me to be sending you anything other than a sticker. I promise you. So, uh, and I'll probably like a signed letter of a thank you for listening to us. <laughs> so, but today, Ryan, this marks our first spooky Spooktacular. DLC episode. We didn't get to do this last year. No, we didn't. It's going to be exciting. Last year was a special time. We had a lot more time on our hands to make a bunch of spooky episodes. It's not going to be the same way this year, but it's all spooktacular. It's all those spooky things we love about October. And of course, when you think spooky in October and you're a view game lover like us, you think horror games. And Ryan, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure, I mean, I speak for myself and I think I speak for you as well, but we're big scaredy babies that have a hard time with horror games. Yeah, right? big scaredy babies. That's exactly right. That's <laughs> who we are as people. Yeah, especially yeah. when it comes to games. Yeah. I put, yeah. <laughs> when I apply it to anything, any kind of resume, I put down big scaredy baby yeah. of horror games. I oh, just, yeah. yeah. I, I, I can enjoy them, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm absolutely, positively terrified and i am and i probably shouldn't be but i just am it doesn't matter what you think (laughs) so but today's episode is to kind of go over what it is to be a spooky game and what we love about those games in general then kind of moving into our favorites and talking about why they represent what we think are the best the best of the spooky games and we won't have too many honorable mentions like last time. Last time we had like six honorable mentions. <laughs> so many. Like yeah, we dialed back. Three actual games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we dialed back a bit. So we're doing better this time. <laughs> but Ryan, you want to start us on this, on what, what defines a spooky game? You made this yeah, list and it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, so um, I made a list of, of kind of horror in games and, and what that means and why it's different than regular media and what it does in games that is so interesting and why we are big scaredy babies. So one of the, mm-hmm. one of the, the I think I can watch horror movies and not really get super spooked. I'm really good at disassociating with horror movies or other horror media even, even reading horror stories. They, they don't kind of get me in the same way that like video games do. And, and part of that is, is it's, it's a more immersive. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, because like it's different watching a protagonist who's being murdered by an axe murderer versus you are mm. being attacked by somebody who is trying to kill you to protect <laughs> yourself. Or you have to run in some situations, as we'll talk about next. But they're much more immersive than other horror media, at least. This is the only time of year I get kind of excited to watch some horror movies or even well, listen to some horror podcasts. And they just don't mm-hmm. do it nearly as well as, at least they don't spook me nearly as much as, as video games. One of those big, one of the big kind of tropes in horror and one of the things that is so different about video games is 
Um, for a lot of folks, the reason you play video games is it's a power fantasy. You're able to do things and be powerful and change the world in a way that you normally couldn't. And horror games do such an incredible job of taking that away. So many games we've talked about on the mm-hmm. show or that or that are our favorites are games where you don't get to fight back. You have no option of fighting back. All you can do is run and hide. And there is something so subversive about that, especially when playing a game, and just so absolutely terrifying. The horror games, often, there are some, especially the ones that do it well, have these really spooky atmosphere core and environmental storytelling. Some examples of that would be like PT or, or Prey or Bioshock, where you're in this place and you're not being told what happened here, but you're being shown what happened here. Or you hear a strange mm-hmm. sound and that strange sound is something you've never heard before. And because you heard that sound in this place that is dark and gloomy and echoey, it's it's extra scary and extra terrifying. And a lot of the games you talked about kind of use these tools in, in, in some, a lot of the other games use them to kind of tell a good story or to pull you in and be, make you more immersed. And horror games do the same thing, but they also use that same trust to terrify. And then another piece, there's gameplay horror versus narrative horror. There are some games that, you know, the world isn't particularly scary. The the monster you're running away from isn't particularly scary. But what you're doing is particularly scary. So, what, Eric, we're probably going to talk more about this, but Five Night at Freddy's is one of those that I think of where the fact that you're constantly having to just, like, flip these switches and you see movement on the screen, yeah. there's no... It's scary because of the things you have to do and the context you're put in, mm-hmm. but not necessarily because, you know, what is scary is the experience. What is scary is walking down a dark hallway, no matter how bad a game's graphics look, walking down a dark hallway with spooky sounds is always going to be terrifying just because of that that gameplay experience and then another piece is kind of subverting expectations video games have tropes like any other kind of media and horror games sometimes use that against us there are some (laughs) horror games that that will you know the game will feasibly turn itself off or it will it will do something to you and then jump scares jump scares are a big part of of all spooky things um, but I Ugh. think they can be done really, really well, especially when there's a buildup or especially in the right context. But because of that, it can be particularly scary. I think there's there's the, if done well, jump scares can just enhance that terrifying experience. There are some games where you become kind of, there's not a ton of jump scares, but you're just immersed in horror, like Outlast the entire time. Um, very different than an experience like a solo where you're kind of, which also is very scary, but you're like walking through this kind of deep underwater area and you hear this robot just zoom across the screen and it just terrifies you because it was unexpected and it was scary. Um, there is so much more. I'm sure people have written dissertations about horror in media and specifically horror in video games, but those are just some pieces of, of what in video games horror does and why it's important and why it's interesting. And kind of when we talk about the games we talked about, we'll, we'll touch base on a lot of these things. And something we kind of touched base on a little bit too. Um, hopefully, this is a good time to mention this part. But like, I think one of the reasons why I like horror games so much is that I think you're right, Ryan. It's it's. I think you know, say what you will. We are a video game podcast, but um, <laughs> yeah. even outside of that, I think that if you experience horror in the different genres that it presents itself in, video games are so much more immersive because you are literally playing in this story. You're not watching. You're not just watching the story. You're not just listening to the story. You're not just reading the story. You are a part of the story as you go through it. And what makes it so interesting, I think a lot of times, is that, is that typically a good horror scenario has a good person or good people that are involved in just really bad situations that they weren't necessarily expecting. And that's how you relate so well to those people is that they're, they're good people. And I would, I would probably bet that most people would identify as good people. Granted, not everyone makes good decisions, but I think at the end of the day, we all want to think that we're a good person. So it's easy to identify with a good character, a good person character. 
I was talking to Ryan about it before, before this episode, and how like I couldn't think of any horror games where it's like you're playing a bad person that's hunted by bad people. Like it's hard to empathize with someone that's bad, and then also try not to die from another bad person. It just doesn't work that way, you know. Like it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense. So a lot of the games that we picked are that aesthetic, right? It's a good person in a bad situation. I think that's what makes it just so interesting and makes those stories even more so gripping and important because you're trying desperately to stay good and stay alive and oftentimes those two things just don't go together um it's yeah ah, horror <laughs> game is just a very special genre i think yeah. it really is like it's, it's such a it's such an interesting thing um so uh before we jump into our main lists let's do our 50 honorable mentions no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we'll do each do an honorable mention yeah. <laughs> um and kind of talk about why they're like an honorable mention, and then we'll jump into our main list of, of the games that we've identified as like the best of the spooky games. Mm-hmm. Sure. But Ryan, would you like to jump in on yeah. honorable mentions? I think you have a fantastic first one to jump in on. Yeah, so my first one is um, the Resident Evil series, but specifically Resident Evil 7 Resident Evil 8. The reason I've only listed those are those the only ones I have personally experienced in some way. I haven't played them, but I watched full playthroughs of them in the safety of my home um, <laughs> with the lights on. <laughs> but those are those are those experiences, and I mean, I think Resident Evil Seven and Resident Evil Eight are, are different games in their in their spookiness. The beginning of Resident Evil Eight is is kind of traditional Resident Evil scary, but then it gets really actiony and very wild and in a really fun and engaging way. But Resident Evil Seven is mm. just from start to finish like good good horror. Like it takes like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it takes like zombie movies, it takes so many of these horror tropes and and does them so incredibly well. And so these are these are my honorable mentions. The reason they're honorable mentions is is because they aren't games that I have I have played, and it's not a series that I've really engaged with a ton. Um, these are the first two games I've even like looked at. That being said, I know Eric, you have some history with some of the Resident Evil games you wanted to talk about. Oh, just actually, just one. I've always wanted to get in Resident Evil, and I think four is the unanimous like loved yeah. one the most. I think. And from now on, for the rest of this episode, I'm proclaiming that I'm not going to say jump in. I'm going to just say I'm going to say jump scare because it just seems more appropriate. Um, so I want to jump scare into this conversation about Resident Evil, <laughs> and and just say that I played Resident Evil Two Remake. I felt like it's so funny because that's a game where you do have somewhat power over your livelihood in that game, right? You have a limited amount of ammo. You have a limited amount of things until. You know, oh, and we probably say right now before we jump in too far, like we'll probably have minor spoilers for these games. So if there's any game that we announced that we are going to talk about, you don't want info on, please just skip ahead. Um, you know, just back to Resident Evil 2 Remake, there are parts where you, you have enemies you have to fight that are just invincible. You cannot kill them. And so that's where that, that power takes away. And that's what's so interesting in Resident, the Resident Evil games, that there are enemies you can't kill and there are enemies you can. So there's times you feel like, man, okay, I'll be fine. I can survive this and be okay. And there's other ones where like, Crap, I gotta run, so I'm gonna be to get wrecked and there's nothing I can do. And it's absolutely terrifying, because like it's an unstoppable force that's ready to come get you. I think that's what makes Resident Evil so interesting. I think the story's kind of gotten out there, it's kind of like convoluted. At least it was until seven, I guess. I guess seven's kind of done a really good job bringing it all back to focus, which is good. I really wanna play seven. My partner wanted to play it in VR, and thank God he's not bought one yet. I just I did yeah, I was like, screw that. There is no way I wanna do that. Ever. Like yeah. ever, ever, never. Nothing against it. It's it just because it'd be so freaking scary. Um, and again, big scaredy baby. It doesn't work. That equation doesn't work. If Einstein <laughs> was here, he'd tell you it doesn't work. So that's a bad joke. Um, but <laughs> so, but I think I think it's what's great about Resident Evil is just that the the characters are very interesting, and it does that good job going back and forth between you have you are 
have, you have some control over your situation and then there's, there's others where you have no control over your situation. You kind of have to just go with the flow and try to survive the best you can. The the one other thing I wanted to mention is speaking on like gameplay horror versus narrative horror, there are some narrative horror pieces to Resident Evil, but speaking of from a gameplay perspective, that limited ammo and limited resources adds so much tension to the experience that it adds every encounter, even if it's just a, a single zombie, has so much more tension. It's so much scarier because those resources you're using just mm-hmm. to kill that one creature mean you might run into something later and not have enough resources. And there's that that gameplay piece that just could not exist in a different media, right? Where you are constantly in in, in fear of not having the materials you need because of the, any given situation. And in 8, it, it isn't as intense as it is in 7, and it certainly is in the earlier Resident Evil games where you have to be like, very careful with your ammo there is a limited amount of ammo and if you waste it killing enemies you will not have enough in a way that is i think really unique to resident evil and really unique to horror and video games is it allows you to have that experience but it, it's so interesting and then again, obviously it has the environmental horror it has the atmosphere horror it takes away your power when you have those those invincible beings um and it certainly has some jump scares so and there are some story buckwild pieces that's for your patients but yeah, Eric, I'm excited to hear about your honorable mentions as well. Yeah, so the one I picked was unexpected. I didn't think I'd pick this one, but as I was going through my mind of all the horror games in recent years that have come out, um, it's one that I think took the world by storm when it first came out. You've already mentioned it a little bit ago. Now it's Five Nights at Freddy's. And before Story Gores, you turn this podcast off and never listen to us again. Hear me out. Okay, please. I think Five Nights at Freddy's has a really uh, back and forth um love and hate between you know video game players and that's fine like to each their own i'm not even a huge lover of five nights at freddy's i really am not um i'll watch like the occasional game theory video on the story which like just goes way over my head but it's somewhat interesting but i'm talking more about the first one in general that that fear you would feel (laughs) if you play the game of just sitting in your room and monitoring your power level in the hope of surviving through the night is is absolutely terrifying because in a sense you're kind of giving control of your situation but at the same time you truly don't it's like a false sense of power which is so interesting because then you feel like you have control over these things over your situation to survive but then you don't you can't control the animal tracks of the game who are trying to kill you and that's what's just so scary there's nothing there's nothing like it before finance of freddy's came out it's such a simple concept that was done so well and it was so immersive. And it got, even gets little kids in, into it. Like, little kids love Five Nights at Freddy's, which blows my mind. I work with kids daily at my job. And I can't tell you kids walk into my office to do therapy and talk about Five Nights at Freddy's. Five Nights at Freddy's does such a great job at subverting your expectations as to how to survive and how little power you truly actually have of the situation. And just the, the phone call recordings in the beginning of the nights would be so kind of cryptic and creepy. That old man kind of talking to you about how to, do, how to do your job. And that weird question you would keep asking yourself as you're playing the game, like, why would you be going back? Like, why would you, after that first night you survive, subject yourself to constant nightly terrors of just trying to survive and not get destroyed by these animatronics? That's what kind of made that mystery and that, that excitement so palpable i think and so entertaining and that's a great thing about horror too is that mystery part it makes you think after it's all over like why is this happening or why did you do this or that's that's the interesting part about horror i think is that those questions these unanswered questions which a lot of these games have those unanswered questions so um yeah wow really deep conversation about five nights at freddy's wasn't anticipating that (laughs) (laughs) but yeah say what you will i think i think five nights at freddy's really did a, a good job for the horror franchise when it needed it the most at the time, whenever it came out exactly. But but now we'll move on 
to our main list. We both picked three games to talk about, and we kind of uh, dabbled a little bit in explaining as to why we, we think those games kind of represent horror games the best. Um, a lot of them are, are the newer games, probably from late 2000s to present. Um, and there's other great games, and, and you know, from even earlier than that. And I think maybe that'd be a whole episode on its own. It's like, you know, horror games throughout the timeline of video games and how they've come so far, which they truly have in the craziest way. But Ryan, how about we start you off on your list? What's your What's the first game on your list that you feel like is the spookiest game? <laughs> or one of the spookiest games? <laughs> uh, so the first game on my list is Soma. It's a game we covered last October. It is a game that I still think about or still kind of creeps up on me. Um, it is a, uh, a game about an individual who, you know, for whatever reason, and, and there are some spoilers if you want to know more about what happens with Soma. We did an episode on it. It's a really incredible game. But this game has such a terrifying premise, environment, and then the moment-to-moment is really interesting. You don't have any kinds of, you know, real weapons, so it is a game where you are powerless in that way. Um, you do have autonomy of this large open space, and you can use that space to, to navigate and to, to get safe. But you're effectively trapped under the ocean with no feasible way to get out except for a big plot point. And what is so interesting about Soma is the uh, the reason I chose it is it wasn't a traditional horror game and that there's you know monsters and demons or anything like that, but it is the horror of that game comes from the idea of that experience, of the idea of being trapped under the ocean forever. The idea of, you know, not being, of what is a person and what does that mean? The whole premise of the game is, is again, spoilers, is that you are, your mind has been uploaded into effectively a robot body. And how you use that robot body to, to get to the end is, is really interesting. And there is so much dread that comes from just walking at the bottom of the ocean and just being in these empty spaces and, and you find these like bodies with these tentacles kind of attached to it, making sound. And these robots are talking to you like they're people. And there's, like you said, Eric, there's so much mystery to it that makes you want to go forward, that makes you want to see more of this experience because you want to know what is going on here and why is this happening? And it is so immersive and terrifying from moment to moment. And there's even this really interesting kind of um, relationship between your character and another character that has all kinds of really interesting nuance and, and adds to that dread in a way that is, is really incredible. It, it is a game that I, I really love, and I still think about the the, the, the ending um, every once in a while just because of how, how spooky it is. That, that ending, and again, I'm not going to spoil it because I think if you haven't listened to the game, if you don't plan on playing it but want to know the story, please listen to our episode because I think we did a great job on it. But that ending haunts me still because it is such a beautiful and dreadful ending. All It is the, it is the most... It is just the craziest ending I think I've ever experienced in a video game. And... It just left such a mark in the weirdest way. It left me filled with so much happiness and so much sadness at the same time. It was just so genius. It is such a genius ending to a game like that. I cannot... It's one of my favorite endings, I think, to a game ever. It's just... It, it stuck with me after it was over. And um, I actually bought it on PlayStation. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to download it and play it this month, I think. I'm very excited about it. Um, but it's just, I, it's a game that just makes you, it, like Ryan says, like, I think the atmosphere of being at the bottom of the ocean and the individuals that you're surrounded by that are a danger to you are, are terrifying. But it's the, it's the idea of what does it mean to be human that's the most terrifying about that, 
that game and that haunts you throughout the whole game in different ways you do not expect and that's the scariest part is i think everybody has a different idea of what does it mean to be human and that's terrifying that literally is terrifying so yeah it's it's very scary it's scary in the weirdest ways but it's so good <laughs> yeah. it's so good uh it's one of the best horror games i think it's ever made personally i think eric i'm excited to hear i'm excited to hear about your first game tell me everything but the first game i picked was dead space and again minor spoilers we're not going to spoil the ending or anything like that but there would be like little details and things like that i don't want you to feel spoiled the remake will be coming out hopefully next year if not the year after which that would suck if it took that long but it looks like it's coming along pretty well but the game i'm talking about is dead space and dead space is that perfect game about a good person in a bad situation and i love it that's why i love dead space so much because isaac miles the main character is the perfect person to kind of inhabit yourself into he does not talk the whole game the only context you get about isaac's personality or his thoughts are in his journal entries you don't actually hear him talk until the second game but what's so great about dead space is that the setting is everything the setting is so important to Dead Space. The whole game takes place on a spaceship known as the USG Ishimura. It is out of power. It is not moving. And Isaac has found himself trapped in this, this spaceship looking for his girlfriend. And the whole time, all the corridors are tight. They're compact. They are just... It's just... It's suffocating in a sense sometimes. And all that's where all the jump scares are happening. From the vents, from the floor, from the ceiling, from the corners, from even laying motionless on the ground, looking like they're dead. The necromores, which are these grotesque, disfigured, dead bodies of all the people in the USG Shimura, attack you. And that's where Visceral, again, and screw you, EA, for taking away Visceral and shutting them down. Like, how dare you? They are so good. The idea to dismember these monsters, rather than just kill them, like shoot them and just hope they die, you literally have to dismember their bodies to stop these monsters from killing you, or for, and, and to essentially kill them, which is just literally genius. It is, it, it creates that sense of dread, like you have to be accurate, because if you're not accurate, you're dead, right? You can't just shoot the body and hope that it dies. You have to go after the limbs, which makes that precision more terrifying. It takes the idea of Resident Evil, like we talked about already, like you have that sense of control, and then it amplifies it by 10 because you have that sense of control, but you have to be accurate with that sense of control, right? You have to make sure that you're going to keep yourself alive. And that's where that tension comes in. Like if I miss this shot, it's going to get me. And it's and that just, it's overwhelming at times. And it's just so good. And not only that, but it's that constant wondering as to what's going on truly in this game. Um, the surprising thing about this game is that it really takes this idea of religion the, at least the religion of the game and really makes a driving force in the background of the story that you never truly realize unless you pay attention and i think that's such a great thing i think as fantastic as and this is not an attack against religion by any means but i think uh and we've seen it before i know there's a new show out called midnight mass which i've not watched yet but i've heard amazing things i really want to watch it um takes takes religion and and kind of uses it as a medium for horror and i think that is a really cool thing to do and dead space is it kind of does that as well but it's just not so prominently shoved in your face like it's not like a main thing that's going on here but um it definitely has a role to play and i think that's what's so fascinating about it is it has all that world building built in if you want to learn about it, that's great if not you want to survive and get up the usg shimura as as well as you can that's great too um and to end off with dead space it ends off open-ended in a sense that you don't really know what happens and it's kind of that again that mystery building it leaves it open-ended probably because they want more games out obviously if it sells well they want to make more money <laughs> of a new game that makes total sense but like it ends off 
wondering if what happened truly happened. And I think that's such a cool, cool thing. I don't know. Right? Did you ever play Dead Space? I, I, I can't remember if you have or not. No. So I, I have not played. I have not played the original Dead Space. I've, I've watched. Uh, we played Dead Space three together years and years, oh, years that's right, ago. Yeah. yeah. And after that, I went back and I watched playthroughs to, to kind of get the story beats because it is such an engaging. And I mean, Dead Space. By the time you get to Dead Space three like most horror franchises there's there's more action than there is terrifying moment to moment experience mm-hmm. but it's still really it was still really fun and really scary um but i think i it was so engaging and immersive that i wanted to go back and learn the rest of the story and learn the lore of this world and where these creatures come from so i haven't played but i there was a time where i i, I knew the story and had, had watched a lot of playthroughs and youtube videos on breaking down what happened and why it happened and why it's, it's just so good. It makes me a little sad, too, because, like, one of the best things about Dead Space, the first one, is that there's a little thing. And, and please, if you haven't played this game, don't spoil yourself by looking this up. Just experience the either play the game that's out right now, the original, or wait for the remake, whatever you feel like is best for you. But what makes me sad is the idea that there's no more chapters in this remake. Like, it's just going to be a continuous game, which is amazing. Like, the fact that they can have to load new settings. Like, all there's so many different settings in Dead Space. Each chapter of the game... If you take the first letter of each chapter of the game, it spells a it spells a message, and that's what and that message is very important to the whole game itself. And that's what's so cool about the game. I didn't learn until afterwards. Like, oh my god, that is so cool. Like, it's just little things like that. So, if you want to get spoiled, go up and look at all the chapters and, and put all the, the clues together yourself. Or I highly recommend just put the game. You know, wait either play the game now while it's out right now or wait for the remake but hopefully the remake has those chapters in them and you can enjoy that as well too it's just fun to put that together as you play the game it's such a good game <sighs> anyway i didn't realize as, as a scaredy baby man in terms of horror games i just i i never truly learned to appreciate horror games until much later and i don't regret it i'm very happy about it but it's just very very good medium <laughs> but yeah. uh Ryan, we're on to our second round of, yeah, of sure games that we think are so good. Uh, what is your second game? Uh, so my next set of games is the Dark Picture series and the Until Dawn. I, I kind of put them as one package because they're they're telling different stories, but through the same medium, through the same kind of experience, where you you play a group of individuals who are put in this strange situation. In some cases. Um, similar to and i'm actually looking at all the games noticing a theme you're put in a situation where you you are in in you have to escape or you are or you don't have or you're in some type of danger and you have to get out of that danger and you have to work with this group of individuals to to solve how to do that or to just to survive and throughout the course of the game you're jumping and taking over different people which is interesting and engaging but what i think is is different about this series and what makes well the reason it's more so popular and so interesting is because you have to make choices and some of those choices are inconsequential and and they don't really mean much and some of those choices mean the death of a character and in no way does the game hold your hand and say hey you know if 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 you do this this character will die you just have to kind of learn that through experiencing it and in some situations you will lose a character and that will have an impact on the rest of the game on the, the experiences after that and that consequence that that real consequence to your actions is what adds that tension certainly the settings are spooky Certainly, there is this really interesting, you know, um, interplay between the characters, and there's like like meters, and there's like preferences that all go into those experiences. But what is really engaging about those games is those consequences. That if you make the wrong choice, this character will die, and because of that, you will get a certain outcome. Um, 
and and one of the best way I think those games are played, at least when until Dawn came out, I, I saw all over Twitch and all over YouTube, is you'd get a group of people together and they would play it together, and you could vote on the choices. And whoever voted which way, that that's what happened. And that kind of coming together to experience this game is what kind of allows it to to give that what we love about horror games and i think you lose something when you do that but it allows it to reach a larger audience and to have those experiences in a different way that you're not just watching you are actively playing a role and anytime you're doing that you're going to be more engaged and and more excited and i think it certainly does i I don't want to spoil any of these experiences some of them are are fairly new like little hope and man of Medan, but they also certainly support your expectations because you're playing multiple characters you as the player will have pieces of information that the characters don't have. And then there are some situations where because of the experience you're in, you have information, but it is not correct. And the game does not tell you until the end. Very, very horror movie trope where there's a big twist at the end that changes the context of the whole experience or the supernatural elements are there's a reason behind them or there isn't a reason behind them in some really interesting ways. But I I think... All of those games are interesting. Some of them, I think, Until Dawn is, is probably the strongest of these three, although they are getting ready to come out with more of them. The The anthology is a set of four games. Little Hope, I think, is really interesting. It's it's about the Salem Witch Trials, and the Man of Medan is on this giant ship um, that for some reason has been you know abandoned in this really interesting way. So I think they all take place in really different settings, and they have different horror tropes that they're experiencing, but they're all really interesting and uh really um really really challenging um eric have you played any of these games do you think about them yeah actually i have played until dawn i'm huge 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 fan of until dawn it's a game that actually i just i just started playing with my partner when we started dating um like i mean like a month or two after we started dating and we went to panera to eat and i was eating and i was looking at my phone i was like oh it says like it just come out too and it was like significantly off or marked off for price and i was like Oh, this is like weird. I'm surprised that it's so cheap. I was like, I kind of want to go grab this. And she goes, Oh, you totally should. So I, uh, but we got it and we ended up playing like all night. Like it was, I was not expecting her to like it. I was not expecting myself to like it that much, but I thought, let's try it. And like we played it all night. Like we stepped like four in the morning or something like that. And we looked at the, the clock on my wall. I was like, Holy crap, we have to go to bed. Like this is insane. <laughs> we really need to sleep. Like it was just a game that we love. And actually, we plan on playing again this month to. Just a real experience. It's been a while since we played it, and like we just love that game. Um, I have the Dark Picture series. I haven't played them though. I really need to. I didn't hear the best things about Man of Medan, but <laughs> yeah. I think I th- I, th- I think after it's like settled down now, I think it's be- it's been received better now than when yeah. it first came out. So I really gotta give it a try. I think Little Hope also um, I heard good things about. So mm-hmm. I'm really excited about those. I just think Until Dawn just did such an amazing job, and the characters are so fun and so annoying, like typical like, teenage trope characters but they did a great job i really really i liked it a lot i think it's uh if you like horror games you like horror movies that's the game for you for sure but eric i'm excited to hear about your next one which is again another game that we've covered yeah we covered this game so you've been listening to this one and the uh the dlc for it as oh, that's well. right please go yeah. listen to it because we did a great job on those games those are awesome but the, the series i picked was outlast specifically one and the uh dlc for one uh outlast 2 is out but we haven't covered that yet. And quite honestly, I haven't experienced it yet, so I don't even want to comment on it. Um, but I know for Outlast 1 and its DLC, Whistleblower, that what made those games good is that it really pushed on the use of a camera as this kind of uh, ability to use the, uh, what's it called? Night, not nightly. 
Night vision? Night vision. To use the night vision of the camera to see in the dark, which the dark would play this, like, the dark was almost like a, a second character, I feel like, in that game, in terms of, like, just how terrifying it was, because you, you truly didn't know what was in the dark. Anything could be in the dark waiting for you, or it could just be clear, but you would never have known unless you use your night vision. And in order to use your night vision, you need to get batteries. So you're constantly collecting batteries whenever you can, just trying to survive. And it's a game where jump scares are prevalent, you, and you can't fight back. So that sense of pride you can get by fighting off these bad guys just isn't there. And I think it's, a, I think it's Red Barrel games that developed uh, Outlast, and they did such a good job putting that on the back burner in terms of you can't fight back. You have, in order to survive and, and win, you win by not fighting, and you win by running. And I think that's, a, that's what's so interesting about games like this is that, you know, we, I think we've always grown up thinking, like, you don't win unless you fight back. Like, you know, is it, I think it's a cultural, societal thing, at least for us, at least from my perspective. But that uh, they put this new idea where you have to run and survive, and that's how you win. Like, you win that way, right? You're not killing these people and putting them down and moving forward. Like, you have to run. They're going to still be alive later. And that's what's terrifying about that is that you can't just kill these people and then move on and be like, oh, I, I cleared this place out last time I was here. It's fine. I can just run through here as best. No, you have to constantly be on edge no matter where you go because everyone in some way sticks around unless, they, unless the story has them killed off in some way, shape, or form. Um, and again, the environment plays a story, you know, or the environment paints a story in terms of the context that you learn from it and just the environment itself. You see the dead bodies, you see kind of what's going on, and you kind of build this understanding as what's to happen through the exposition and the comments being made. And that's what's so interesting. Of course, and as well, the, the characters. You just never know who to trust. And quite honestly, you probably shouldn't trust anybody in that scenario. And that's what's so good about Outlast. Um, it's just, yeah. And again, it's another open-ended... It kind of goes wacky at the very end. Like, it's, it's kind of out there. But it... it surprisingly kind of works and i really hope they go back to it i really hope they kind of do supposedly there's more information in like comic books and and books outside of the outlast game which i think is never a good idea as not everybody's gonna go to those mediums to learn what happened i think it's a, it kind of like deprives the gamer who's beat the game and enjoyed it of getting that re that reward of the actual information that they're craving um so i think that's a negative as to outlast but in terms of the game itself, it just does such a great job at making you just feel absolutely helpless and then trying to make that your greatest weapon. That hopelessness and then using that as a will to survive. I think that's what does such a great job in that game. Um, not to mention the, the just the absolute fear of not being able to move and just suffering, right? You suffer through your character um, in just absolute awful, awful ways. And that's what's just so, and, and actually, and then one more thing, sorry, I said I should move on, but then I thought of this too. And, and this is one of the, my favorite things I think we ever learned on the podcast, or just kind of had that realization on the podcast was during our whistleblower episode, how that's a series. And again, I'm not trying not to do too many spoilers, but in this, in the game, you're playing a different character as opposed to in the first game. Um, and this character is just trying to, again, survive and get out of this insane asylum. No, I'm sorry, I'm trying to get out of this asylum uh, for the mentally ill, though they've all been experimented on and have gone crazy at this point. So, like, they're not just mentally ill, you know what I mean? Like, it's very different between being mentally ill and being, like, insane. Like, they just have been so tormented, you know. Um, but how interesting is that the main character is being constantly chased by this, your antagonist of the game, whose name I forget, but he has this idea. He's, he's so warped in his mind and he's so broken that he thinks that he could just disfigure male prisoners and turn them into females. And the idea of toxic masculinity 
how we always see it in media being done at, from a male to female perspective, which is so important because like that's obviously a huge problem in our society right now in real life. But the idea of in this whistleblower game, how we see toxic masculinity between a male to another male and how just like how little we see of that and how interesting, and I'm sure that actually happens in real life all the time. That's just not reported, but like how interesting it was to put yourself in that position and just how terrifying it was for, and for, you know, as privileged as we are, Ryan, for being some white, you know, white cis males, you know, like we never experienced that, you know, which is like, I mean, a good and a, and a, a good for us, but also a negative in terms of everybody else that doesn't get to enjoy that also that same benefit, which they totally should. But just it gave us, at least I talk for myself, but it gave me like a perspective of understanding somewhat, not even truly, obviously, because it's a video game, but somewhat understanding what it means to be a victim of toxic masculinity. And of course, the absolute craziest way possible that's not like real, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, it kind of gives you that sense of understanding in a sense, or it gives you that idea of understanding in the sense of, wow, this is like a, obviously like a huge out of the realm thing that happened but just that i can't even imagine what it's like on a daily basis a daily basis for someone to go through something even minor like this you know for someone for um uh for toxic masculinity to be pushed onto someone else and just that fear of it it's just yeah it's crazy i've got a huge tangent on it but i just think it's just so it was a really good conversation that came from a really strange place that we didn't expect yeah i mean i think we literally had the realization as we were recording the episode yeah that's how <laughs> deep like it's just because we were in those roles playing those roles and reading that story and it was just so i think it's just so interesting like it's just i think that's again an amazing way for video games to push you outside of your comfort zone in ways you didn't expect to when you pick up the controller and that's amazing it literally is amazing so ah at last Oh, I, can't, I just can't. I can't get rid of you for some reason. I just love it. It's so good. <laughs> we're on our last games though. We and are. Actually, we're I really games. like the games we picked. These last games yeah. we're not covered yet, but one day I hope we do. I really yeah, hope yeah, we do. So, do. so yeah, they're great ones. But Ryan, what are, what are the last? What's the last game you picked? Uh, so the last game I picked was Prey. It is a game that was when it first came out. Like I think everyone else, except maybe you, Eric, because you like are love Arcane so much, was like totally mm. off my radar. And then I played it, and it is, it is still to this day one of my very favorite games. Because, But that being said, they're, they do such a good job of making it terrifying from moment to moment for mm. so many different reasons, whether it's the, the enemies in this game walking around and just speaking to themselves in this strange voice. You know where they are. And especially at the beginning of the game, they're so much more powerful than you that they can just take you out instantly, at least in the way that I played. Mm-hmm. That you, The tension from moment to moment was really intense. And then even 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 earlier, one of the premises of the games is the these beings that you're 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 inside this giant space station, which is a theme in these horror games that you're put in situations where, you know what I mean? You're you're in a place where you cannot survive. You have to leave that space, and and that is kind of the main driving force, which is is very smart, of 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 getting out or to escaping is because you cannot survive here is the, the beings on this space station, these, these whatever they are, it's explored a lot in the game, and it's really cool, but these, these, these beings can mimic any, any item. So you can be walking through a room, and you have to, like, carefully scan the room and, like, shoot a bullet into, you know, a, a garbage can. Because you, if, if not, when you walk in, it will come to life and attack you in this really genius way. And so that's the beginning tension. Have like the mid-game tension of these monsters that are that are really powerful, but you, you know you eventually get to a point where you can take them on. And then towards the end of the game, you get to this point where there is this undestroyable being 
that will just appear in a place and all you can do is run and hide. And there were so many moments in that game where I was just like, you know, sneaking, like so tense, sneaking from one room to another, hoping that I don't, it doesn't see me or hoping it doesn't hear me in this really intense way. And so much storytelling is told through the atmosphere, the gameplay horror of managing resources. It's, it's far less than in a dead space or in a, um, uh, or in a uh, Resident Evil, although I'm sure if you made the game more difficult, that that scales. But the the gameplay horror of of you when you walk into a room, you don't know what, you don't know if you're safe or not. And any moment you could become unsafe, or something could happen to you in such a really interesting way. And this whole empty space station is just inherently spooky. You see these massive beings kind of floating outside that you don't know what they are, and you're trying to unravel the mystery of this place. And when you do unravel, I think it's 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 very good. It's it's, it's a really incredible story. But just I, that, I think, is the closest I've gotten to playing like a proper horror game. Is Prey? It's the farthest I think I've gone in my experience. I, I even I was Bioshock when I first played it as well. But Prey, I think, got to me even more just because they did such a good job of ramping up that intensity. And Bioshock, you eventually got used to the splicers, and they weren't really a problem. Then the big daddies, but eventually you dealt with them too. But Prey found a way to still make it gameplay wise scary and then again that tension added to the experience and then part of the experience part of the game is you're you're trying to survive in this place and if if you want to get the best possible experience you also need to keep everybody else alive which is its own you know interesting own tension to the experience as well as because it's an arcane game you can decide what routes you want to go you can decide what things you want to experience there are some places that you don't even have to go to and by the end i i made sure i went everywhere because it was just so engaging and so intense and so interesting. Uh, Prey is just such, again, arcane, you just do no wrong. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, yeah. arcane, if you're listening, which I know you are, who isn't? Let's be real. <laughs> of but course. You should hire Ryan and I for voice acting. We'll happily do whatever <laughs> game. I'm ter- I'm sad that you won't be doing another PlayStation game. It breaks my heart yeah. a, just a ton. But I'll, I don't care. I'll do whatever you want. To, <laughs> just let me right. be in the game. Yeah, Please, let me do it. Um, but no, Dead, Sp- or Dead Space. Um, Prey is just... Uh, it's a game again that just the tone of the very beginning it shatters your expectation as to what they make you perceive is happening and that sets the tone for the whole game and it's done so well and again i don't want to spoil anything if you've never played prey play the first i think 10 15 minutes and you'll see exactly what i'm saying like it's a game where you're like i don't really know what's going on like things are like this is just obviously very weird it's supposed to be weird but then when you realize what's happening and and like the lowest sense possible you'll learn more as you go through the game but and you kind of understand that you know the situation you're in, you're in is not the actual situation and like it just makes it just gives you all the energy and drive to want to keep moving forward and just in your right right that fear intention of those enemies that just mumble to themselves and don't, they don't even know what they're saying it's just like learned language through the deaths of their their enemies you know what i mean like they're just such interesting creatures and that fear that like you said even a trash can could be the end of you which is sad and crazy <laughs> you know like it's just like it's it's and the how and i think it takes up its page from bioshock a little bit how like you know the weapons in the game are very unique and different like they have the the foam launcher that freezes them for the, the bad guys for a short amount of time and you have your wrench that you can bash the crap out of them with or you have their other like guns and and things like that but like it just no matter for every part of the game that you're in you always just get to that point where you feel like you're you're strong enough to survive no matter what and then a new thing just comes at you you're like 
well, crap. Now I, now I just, all that, (laughs) all that confidence I just built up in this half of the game is gone. And like, now what do I do? And that's what's so good about the game is that in, like in a Bioshock, you just become like, and spices are spices are terrifying in the beginning and then become nothing, you know, because you're so strong. Same with Big Daddy's, like you said, Ryan, but in Prey, it always does a good job at making sure that you are not going to be as confident as you were, say, a half hour ago. You know, it's it's so it's so good. Um, and that story, the ending, is just like, what is happening? It's just out there in the best way possible. Um, in typical arcane fashion, which is so good. So good. <sighs> Such a good game. I hope they make a sequel to that. They, they, they have to. They certainly could with how they end things off. Certainly, certainly. Yeah, I think they're on um, the Prey Dishonored games are on sale. At least they were on PlayStation. It's like a bundled package for like thirty or forty bucks for all three, both Dishonored and Prey. So it's certainly worth oh, checking out if you haven't deal. played those games because they're all very, very good. Um, but Eric, please play them. Um, I'm I'm really excited for your last one. I think it's like kind of it's a game I don't know if a lot of folks know about, and it's kind of the pinnacle of that. Um, what kind of we talked about a little bit in, in Outlast. Yeah, I feel like this game, and I could be totally wrong, but just based on my perspective, I feel like this is the game that really set the tone for survival horror moving forward when it came out. And I think this came out like, jeez, like 2014, I, I remember, 14? yeah, I remember when it came out because like everyone on, or at least a handful of folks on YouTube who I was watching were, were playing it. It is like yeah, so absolutely terrifying and so genius in, in how, it, how it engages with the player. I watched it. I mean, we haven't announced the game as a stripe pie jungle crazy. <laughs> yeah. I, I watched it um, when I still watched PewDiePie, when PewDiePie was just yeah, doing yeah, games yeah. and was very small still, and he played it. And I remember watching that um, at my partner's uh, college dorm, like, or in their apartment. Um, and um, and just watching, I watched the whole watch through. I never played it because wasn't, it wasn't a series I was interested in. And then I watched that playthrough, and I was like, oh my God, that was such a good game. Okay, I'll tell you what the game is already. If you haven't guessed already, uh, it involves. Sigourney Weaver, <laughs> but not really though, in a, in a way. Um, but the game is Alien Isolation. Alien Isolation was a game that I think a lot of people slept on because they weren't anticipating it being good. I think Alien Isolation, I, as, a, as a person who's not a big like Alien movie fan, like or like the little franchise of Alien, um, I never truly cared about it. Like I've seen, I think I've seen it once and it really did freak me out. Like the Alien itself is absolutely terrifying. But that game, I think, was the first true game that made you feel that dread, that little dread of feeling like you were in a room with an alien. And what's so good, again, about Alien Isolation is that it takes um, it takes the uh, premise of you are not going to be able to stop this thing. This thing is a monster that wants to kill you. Um, you can only scare it away with fire, and that's it. And there's other scenarios, there's robots on the ship that will try to stop you. And there's different things, that, you know, and of course, like, everything just goes wrong. Um, and so, you, but the main character, who I believe is Sigourney Weaver's character's daughter, if I remember correctly. Something, something like, that. like Ripley's yeah. daughter or something like that. But it has that significance to that history of the franchise. At least, it, at least it appears that way. For someone who doesn't know the franchise's history, that's what I'm guessing. <laughs> um, yeah. But it does, it does a great job, like, giving you those tools to survive. But again, you cannot kill to win. Like you have to survive to win. And there's no shame in that. That's how you do it. Um, and for people who love Alien, I think it literally is the absolute perfect game to give you that satisfaction of feeling like you're in the Alien universe, like to feel like you're a part of the story. Because uh, man, it's absolutely terrifying when you just sit there in the silence and you have your like radar thing that tracks the alien oh, and you the so alien come into the room and you just sit there and you just watch it move and it just listens for you and it's just like it, that talk about immersion like 
my God, like just the idea of just sitting there. Like, I, I, and I, when I would watch it, I would be quiet and like hold my breath. Like I just would <laughs> lose track of what's happening around me. I would just be so focused on the, the thought of survival and when I'm watching these games. Um, yeah, I literally, in isolation, it's an absolute shame there was never a sequel. Like absolute, absolute shame. I truly hope that it comes back out again soon. I actually watched a um, uh, popular Twitch, a Twitch streamer, uh, Maximilian Dude, play it. He loves the Alien franchise, and he had never played it because he thought it just sounded stupid. And then he had played it semi-recently and loved it, like, and just was blown away by it. And I remember watching him play it after so many years of me watching it the first time and just thinking, this game still holds up. Like, this game is still amazing after so long. In the same way that Dead Space is still amazing after so long. And I'm realizing as I was talking that, like, I said Alien Isolation was, like, the reversion, like, the resurgence of, like, survival horror. Dead Space came out first, so I totally take that back. But, yeah, I just, yeah, Alien Isolation, I just, literally, there's so many different alien things coming out now, too. Like, the Alien uh, Fire Force or something with aliens that just came out recently with, the, you know, the team of three and a kill. But it's not as scary as, like, what Alien Isolation represented, which was but what, what made the movie so good. That fear and that dread of interacting with these aliens that are trying to kill you and just... Yeah, it's so. Do you have any history with the Alien? Ryan, do you like the movies, or do you have you played Isolation? I have. So I haven't played Isolation. I've, I've, like you, I, when it first came out, I watched oh, the playthrough of yeah. it. I've never seen the movies. I obviously like it's, mm. it's a really big part of popular culture, so I know a lot of the stuff that happens. Like obviously the really famous cafeteria scene. Like a lot of these pieces yeah. are like burned into my brain from knowledge. There's a lot of really interesting history to Alien, and it's kind of that it exists is really really cool. Yeah, I, I this was my first experience with this world from a gameplay perspective too. Like you're constantly hiding constantly running you have this machine that tells you when the alien is close that is so genius mm-hmm. to to have because then there's this constant tension there are these one the main mechanic of the game is you're kind of running around and doing things when you're doing these tasks just the fact i i so vividly have in my mind this image of like you like turning something or you have to like really slowly turn something you have no idea just the fact that you're not constantly watching that beep where you have to look away for a second it's so terrifying and so well done yeah. That when you're trying to like turn a wheel or trying to like punch in a code or look at a computer, it, it just is inherently scary because you know where you are safe. And because of that, it is it is really well done. And that, that AI is so cool that constantly is kind of learning and trying to figure out where you are in a really cool way. And that, there's only one enemy, right, other than those robots, is that alien. Yeah. And it just haunts you the entire game. And even talking about, like, Metroid Dread, right, they, they've added some of these elements into the Metroid franchise. It's, like, scary thing that's going to chase you. Um, it's something that is even seeping its way into, into that. And it was in Metroid Fusion, I think, but not, like, in a super scary way. Kind of, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was scary. I think Metroid Fusion was scary when I was growing up playing it. I thought it was terrifying. We see that, I'm sorry, totally off topic. We see that, like, intro of Samus, and, like, she has, like, no pupils in her eyes. She has, like, this white-eyed... That's literally, and that's not even Thomas. <laughs> spoiler alert, but that was terrifying. Yeah. It was absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Oof, ugh, ugh. So, <laughs> no, Alien Isolation, man. Like, that is it. I really do hope for the people who love the Alien franchise and people who don't, who just enjoy the game. Like, I really hope there's a sequel one day. I don't know if they're, if it's possible or not possible now with licensing, but, like, I truly hope that they can make a sequel or even just remaster the game. God, that, I can't imagine what it would be like now with current graphics. It would be even more of an immersion like yeah it'd just be absolutely crazy so but that story goers is our list of spooky games i'm sure we'll come up with another one eventually oh certainly yeah, there's so many good ones so many even just like talking about this there is a couple in my mind that are like the progenitors of this that i'm excited to talk more mm-hmm. about like the game that started this all it, yeah it, i'm sure we're gonna get all kinds of i hope we get all kinds of email telling us that we, we why didn't we mention this game 
Yeah, please do. <laughs> yeah, I, I, <laughs> there's so many wonderful horror games out there. And I'm excited this month to bring some more horror games and, and to dive in this month with our all of our spooky things. Ooh, perfect segue, Ryan. That was amazing. Good job. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, let's, let's break down our spooktacular schedule for the month of October. Yeah. What we have planned. Um, so obviously, our DLC that you're listening to right now will be our first episode of the month on October 4th. Uh, Ryan, what is our... You're, you're, you're playing a, a big role in this bedtime story this month. What is the bedtime story for October 11th? Yeah, my first my first bedtime story script. Um, Castlevania. It's a game that I've wanted Woo! to cover for a really long time, and I think it would be perfect for a bedtime story. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of it's kind of bite-sized and small, but it is, it is so perfect in horror and so kind of um, core to the horror genre and the horror, horror games. And, like, Metroidvanias and Castlevanias is such a core, important game series that it felt silly not to cover. No, I think it's really perfect. As someone who has little experience with Castlevania, like, I, I've always wanted to get into it, but just I don't really have a desire to play the games itself. I am very excited for it. I think it's going to be great. I really should have watched the Netflix show because everyone it's keeps talking about crazy. <laughs> it's very good. I've got to watch very it. Gore, See, everyone very tells good. me it's very good. Yeah, yeah i got to watch it. i got to watch it. Um, and then I'm super excited for this one. <laughs> yeah. I cannot wait for this one. Um, on October 18th, we will be covering Luigi's Mansion, which is so exciting. I cannot wait for yeah, Luigi's Mansion. Such a one. great game. Whoever, whoever at Nintendo thought of Luigi's Mansion, like props <laughs> to them. I will. Yeah, I can't wait to learn more about the history of that game. Mm-hmm. Such a smart game. Such yeah. a good game. Um, and then, Ryan, you want to read about our last yeah, episode? Yeah, our, our last month? episode and the, the big script for this month that I, I cannot wait for um, is is Dead Space. Um, Eric is going to be writing mm-hmm. the script and covering covering Dead Space. It is a series that, as you can hear, he is very passionate about. And it's such an incredible so franchise that I, I cannot wait to dive in with Dead Space. And then hopefully we will return to Dead Space 2, Dead Space 3 down the line. And oh, yeah. again, hopefully hear about the remake soon as well. But yeah, I'm very excited to first more Dead Space. Oh man, I think Ryan, I think the I think the remake will about to be a thing where hopefully we've gone far enough in Tales that we can start streaming. I think you and I that playing would be so the game perfect. Would be absolutely amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I think we kind of have to. Yeah, you know, like certainly. it's just we we need to go back and start playing all of our games that we've covered already and talking about <laughs> how great they were and just you know just really reliving the games that we've already covered. Yeah, what a great way to spend our time. <laughs> yeah, certainly, but no. I am super excited about this spooky month for Tales. And of course, as you already heard, the amazing intro that we have for the spooktacular month. Um, it just, it, I think last October for us, when we first launched and we were, we were fresh, that October was super special to us. Mm-hmm. I think that yeah. those, spe- those spooky games that we have are just such a good choice. And I just, I cannot wait to see how it continues to grow for us every October yeah. in terms of a spectacular month. There's so many, <laughs> and like, we've, like we've proven with this list, there's so many fantastic horror games, whether you want to play them, whether you want to watch it, or just listen to the story itself. There's so many great stories and great experiences with these games. And so even for scaredy cat babies like us who struggle to play these games, like we still do it because it's, there's something to get out of it. So we highly encourage you to to do as well and you gotta push yourself remember you can always pause the game yeah. hopefully if not just check the controller and run <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> exactly yeah but as ryan said before please story goers if you have a game that you feel like is just blasphemous that we did not even cover 
on our list we want to know please give us some hints give us some clues us about out. the best spooky games yeah help us out help some bros out right? <laughs> right? <laughs> by sending them to us at tales from the cartridge at gmail.com all of the e's are threes you can also find us on twitter and instagram dm us comment on our post tell the big spooky big scaredy cat babies like us what games are the best horror games and why we want to read those this month those are this is a perfect month to do it let us just radiate you with praise and glory for reaching out to us and we'll happily give you a tales from the cartridge sticker and all your friends will be like hey what's that and you'll say oh i commented on tales from the cartridge they gave me this really cool sticker and then the love of your life will walk up to you and say hey will you marry me you'll say yes i will <laughs> and she'll say i only did it because you commented on tales from the cartridge and i'll say Oh, I probably won't say anything because I probably won't know you that that well. But I'll just I'll know in my heart of hearts yeah, that this you're is welcome. true for you. And you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, but hopefully you enjoyed the spooky DLC episode, Castlevania: The Bedtime Story, will come out next Sunday. So look forward to that. Um, and as always, stay alive. Don't get chased by any homicidal, cannibalistic individuals this month. That's a downer. And we will hopefully, if you survive long enough, <laughs> we'll see you in the next episode. Boo! <laughs> <laughs> Perfect.